Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast. You know, in a world where everyone stays quiet about sensitive subjects and sensitive issues, we're here to just talk about it. So let's talk. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Savannah. Can you say hello, Savannah? Hello. <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> no, uh, this is the first episode of our podcast. It's kind of a new adventure for us, but we're going to hopefully enjoy it together. Um, we want to talk about some of those things that, whether the church or individuals, whatever it may be, kind of stay quiet about. Um, this first episode, we'll just talk about us for now, and um, we'll venture out to all, a bunch of different topics and subjects, but we'll just tell you about us and who we are, how we got here, maybe how we got together. That'll be a highlight of that, but our life story of how we got here, it's uh, it's unique and we're both very different in our perspectives and our communication styles and everything. And that all has to do with how we grew up and where we come from. So Savannah, you want to start and then we'll go from there. Sure thing. <laughs> I was born and raised in Augusta, Georgia, and my father was a pastor a lot of my life, but not all of my life. Um, he was very supportive of me and anything pretty much I wanted to do, as long as it was about God. And he used me on the platform starting at a very young age. And I was just very blessed and very fortunate with having two parents that were very supportive and it led me to, I attended Indiana Bible College, and which eventually, not where I met Cody, but where we, how we met through our connections and friends and stuff like that. So, it was a very good life. Um, and January of 2021, my dad decided to take his own life. And, um, definitely not something that we were ready for as a family, period, as a family, but also as a, as a pastor's family, um, as a leader in our community and surrounding areas. My dad was a chaplain and it's been a lot to deal with and pro in process, but overall God gets all the glory. And I thank him for the life that he chose to live. Um, as great as life was growing up, my family was affected severely by anxiety and depression. And it's something that is not talked about really in the church and not really in the world either. It's something that needs to be talked about. Um. And I want to use my voice for something positive and something good and something that people can know they're not the only one if they suffer or if they deal with anxiety and depression, that they they have a friend, they have someone they can count on, but also at the end of the day, they have God. And so that won't be, of course, the only topic that we discuss during this podcast. We, we want to talk about all 
all the things that God has blessed us with or things that we've gone through individually or together so far. And so it's a little bit about me. Yeah. How old were you when you uh, first started on the platform and what did you play piano to start or sing or what, what was the... Um, I started piano lessons when I was five years old. I believe I played for the first time in service when I was about 10. So obviously it was not very good, but it led me. I know I'm not the greatest piano player now, but I'm thankful that it, I was, I've been able to use, been used in not just my church, but on district levels at camps and stuff like that mm-hmm. and playing for other churches. And so it's been awesome. Yeah. Now, um, from my understanding, we don't talk a lot about the minute details of it, but um, you grew up in a rather small church, right? Your dad pastored for. Yeah, he pastored a couple churches <laughs> over my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> some were um, some that grew and grew and grew. Um, some that sometimes it was just our family and our papa. Um, so we've kind of gone from one extreme to another. Yeah. Well, I always love hearing your story. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's amazing. It just tells a lot just about how you got to where you are. But, um, a little bit about me. Um, I was born and raised in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. It is um, a growing city. I was born in 1995. Mm, mm-hmm. Wow. Getting old. <laughs> uh, but to some listening, they're rolling their eyes going, here, not old. <laughs> you and don't to, even know yeah, yet. Right. Um, but I was raised. I'm a third generation apostolic. Uh, my grandfather, he kind of. The story is that he got he got saved in like one of the, like a basement church. Essentially, it's like he he went to a church. Basically, it was in a guy's basement and gave his heart to God and started reading and praying. And from my understanding of that story, it was uh, a Baptist pastor um, that he got. He was in his basement. So my grandfather started reading the word, praying, and from what. I remember of the story, he went back home and he was a bad alcoholic, um, bad in, in drugs. And he was a, a pool hustler. Like he went to the, the bars and hustled people out of their money playing pool. And he was very, very good at it. Um, but he went home and poured all his alcohol and all his pills and all everything he had, put it in the toilet, in the sink, whatever, and threw it away. And he started a life for God. And the next part I remember about the story is unique. Um, and as he became an evangelist, but what's kind of unique by, about him that I love and that I'm glad that he passed down and my father passed down to me was a love for God's word and the truth. And what I mean by that is nobody's perfect and we all, all can work on stuff. But the love for God's word and God's truth is the fact that it doesn't matter necessarily what the world says or what popularity opinion is. It matters what the Bible says, and that's what we should believe. 
So he was, as I said, it was a Baptist church or Baptist pastor's basement. So it come with those kinds of doctrines and beliefs. And as he was praying and reading and he was listening to other pastors, he noticed they were talking about the oneness and Jesus name baptism and receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. And so he was praying about it and reading and he tells he tells the story. He's passed now, but he's told the story before. And it's funny hearing him tell it because he says something like, I heard him, the pastor say, there's only one God. His name is Jesus and baptized in the name of Jesus. And you can't find anywhere in the Bible where anybody baptized anything but the name of Jesus. And he said, I looked at uh, my wife. He said, Sue, I'm going to find and prove this preacher wrong. (laughs) And he said he started looking and looking and looking and um, come to find out. It isn't there. And so he um, started preaching that and preaching truth, absolute truth. And so he started evangelizing. And the way he started evangelizing, um, he wasn't a part of an organization, his whole ministry. Um, But he started evangelizing and had a tent. And he just traveled (laughs) the United States doing tent revivals. Tent revivals. Yep. And he was in an old school bus named Noah's Ark. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he was preaching the gospel to everyone that he could possibly preach it to. And long story short, he ended up in Murfreesboro pastoring 40 plus years. And that's an incredible story how he ended up there as well. So I was born 1995. My parents, very young, 20 years old. Um, I was raised three days old. <laughs> I was my mom left the hospital and went straight to revival that night. And it was during that revival that I was prophesied over a prophecy of over my life. Um, I don't know much about the prophecy other other than what my mom has told me and is written written down somewhere. Um, from what I understand, I w- wasn't allowed to know so that I didn't attempt to go after it. Or so I didn't give you a big head. Yeah, I guess it must have been <laughs> that good. You know, yeah, I'm sure. Um, no, uh, but it was something that. My mom did say that she uh, she's noticed to be fulfilled or is currently being fulfilled. But I grew up in a like I said, it was um, my grandfather was never part of an organization. The church wasn't. But we had a lot of friends and preachers that came by and came through and preached and were part of organizations of all kinds. United Pentecostal Church, the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and many of different kinds, um, all apostolic. And then also we had lots of independence uh, apostolics that weren't part of an organization that my grandfather kind of brought in uh, to himself. He was considered in many, many ways by many people. And I'm not boasting when I say this about my family. I'm saying like it was true. He had fathered so many people in the Lord, um, whether he brought them into church and taught them truth or they already knew it, but needed that direction and accountability and that um, covering. He had fathered so many people in the Lord that many of them looked to him almost like a kind of odd, no organization, but they kind of looked to him as a leader of the of independence in a way that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, so he, he really led the charge in a lot of ways on that. Um, but I was kind of raised in the way him and my father were. It was, OK, you want to do ministry or you want to play music? OK, get up there and go do it. Now, 
although in many ways may not be wise. However, the positive is that it taught me. Even if you didn't have lessons yeah, or something? No, I never had. No, well, why? I had drum lessons one time and my my father paid a guy. I remember them paying a guy like $20 a week or something like that. And then I would get dropped off at the place and the guy wouldn't show up. What? Yeah. So they just said, <laughs> never mind. So that's how I guess and we money. talked about this the other day is how I get. I learned by YouTube pretty much mm-hmm. kind of the new generation thing, I guess. But I, I can watch a YouTube video and learn anything. Not right? me. No. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. But um, so I just but I was kind of not really forced, but kind of forced in a way. Um, just because and now granted, my grandmother taught me a lot of stuff on piano. Um, what she could, how young I was. And my, uh, my father, uh, had played drums at one time and my uncles had played drums and in some form or fashion, they're all musically inclined so that they all knew music and taught in whatever way they could, at whatever time they could, um, kind of difficult teach a, you know, 10 or 11 year old Mm -hmm. something and you have a full-time job and it's work. And I understand that, especially now I understand that, but what I'm thankful for is that I had the opportunity because I do, I did get, even though I was kind of thrown in the fire, you know, tried by fire, um, Mm -hmm. in a way it was kind of a preparation a little bit for being kind of staying on top of it. Right. Um, the only bad thing is, and my brother knows this and my mother knows this to be true, if anything. Um, and we're not married a whole year yet. I don't know if you've noticed (laughs) this, but, um, (laughs) Sometimes I can say something like I know it because I don't want to seem like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I really don't because my <laughs> Andrew said something the other day uh, about something and I just blurted out an answer and he said, really? Is that true? I said, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> you, otherwise, are, you are witty and yeah. quick, quick to an answer. Yeah. Uh, good. And that's going to be good and bad. Wise and unwise. <laughs> Sometimes it raises questions because I'm slow to answer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But in the wise words of Pastor Cornelius, his wisdom is knowing what to say and not saying it, (laughs) keeping it shut. Um, So, but that's kind of how I was raised. And, you know, when I became an adult, um, obviously making my own decisions, following my own relationship with God in his direction, his voice, though many others may not have believed that that was what it was or that I was being manipulated or whatever it may be. Um. I had dreams for over a year um, about God telling me to do a certain thing and didn't really want to do it. If I'm honest with you, not because I didn't want what God wanted, but it seemed so uncertain that it was yeah. God. If that That's kind of hard to say, um, but maybe it's something we'll talk about later. But when I found out and knew that it was God without a doubt, um, it gave me a reassurance that I was in his will and his perfect will for my life. Well, sometimes it's easy to think, God, is that really you? Like, oh, yeah. Are are you sure? Yeah, because, you know, it's one more time, please. It's one of those things like we're in this is October 7th. So it's if you're listening to this, it likely isn't October 7th, obviously. But it's General Conference of the United Pentecostal Church. And um, Brother Cunningham, I believe it was last night, said something about if uh, the lady asked him, should I give five hundred? dollars to global missions Mm -hmm. is that the devil and he said (laughs) the devil will never tell you to give to global missions but when there's some things that god will tell you to do it's not that the devil 
would never or would. Yeah. It's not almost like that kind of, it's, but it's just not that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's kind of like this. When God says to go somewhere different, whether it's a different church, a different job, what different, whatever, a different ministry, that not, doesn't necessarily mean it's God or that it's the devil or that's our flesh. I mean, you got, you're mm-hmm. contending with like three different desires and pulls in yeah, a way sometimes. Sure. And, you know, a lot of times the flesh and the enemy come together because obviously the flesh is enmity with God. It's the enemy, the opposite of the Lord, but at the same time. So it's just not that clear sometimes. Right. Um, and that's where I was at and I felt so. But I fully believe without a doubt it was the Lord because I prayed, Lord, you're you're going to have to. You're going to have to show me because I'm I'm not just going to do this on a whim or not just going to do this because well, and I it was it, at that time. It was a huge life altering. Oh, decision. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, for absolutely. Um, but it led me to where I am today and not only in ministry, but. Really, without that, I don't know that I would have met you. Hopefully, the Lord somehow would have blessed me that I could have. Um, <laughs> made a way in a different yeah. way. But it was, it was through that 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 happened uh, in a lot of ways. So, And there's a lot more details to the story, but that's just kind of highlights. And at the end, I mean, that was 2019 into 20. Mm. So I got here in Smithville at New Life in December. Um, it's the first Sunday in December was my first Sunday here. Um, and what's crazy is it started like a year before when Brother Wayne Huntley just come over to me and said something. And to be honest with you, I had no idea what it meant. <laughs> I was like, he said that's the wrong person. That's really what I thought because I didn't understand it, what he had said to me at he had all. He prayed a prayer over you or kind no, of a he, prophecy? No, he, he prayed for me and, you know, done the evangelist thing, you know, prayed over me. God bless him. I have favor. And then he just like looked me dead in the eyes and like just basically just told me something that, I mean, whatever, I'll just say it. I don't care. <laughs> you all on the airwaves will find out that I will hesitate at something, but eventually <laughs> I'll come out. So he looks at me and says, if they don't follow you, leave them. And uh, he don't know me from Adam. Okay. <laughs> like, and I don't think he knows Adam that well either, to be honest with you, but he don't, he don't know me from anybody. Yeah. You know, it's Reverend Wayne Huntley and, you know, probably shouldn't exalt a man, but like I reverence him. I honor him. His sacrifice and things he's accomplished in ministry is something to be admired and honored, but he don't know me from nobody. And nobody knew I was coming that night. Yeah. Even Pastor Cornelius didn't even know I was kind of invited for the weekend. He was in revival. But nothing. But he looks at me and says, if they don't follow you, leave them. And I'm going, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. For one, I'm not a pastor of a church. I'm not trying to steal any people. I'm not trying. <laughs> like, I don't. There's nobody even doing that. You know, like, where did that come from? Yeah, I don't understand. Um, there was things that I felt that God wanted to do in my life and other people's lives that I felt like they weren't living up to, which was that's their decision. I can well, do what I can do for me. But it's kind of normal. Sometimes yeah, you want more for people. Of course. Um, when he said that, I literally prayed, God, I can't do anything about this. I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know what you want me to say. And so then a few months later, I started having dreams, dreams of like, God, I'll be in a driveway and God saying, you need to leave. And I, but kind of the details of the story is 
I'm in a car and I'm hitting reverse and drive and it's a short driveway and I'm just back and forth up to the garage and in the road. Up, and God says, what are you doing back and forth? Just leave. I told you to leave. And I'm God, I feel like Abraham. You're telling ah. me to leave and not telling me anywhere to go. You know, it. so it, there was this dynamic, you know, me telling that story. I mean, a lot of people that are listening right now probably feel that same way. God's told them something or God's been very specific on instructions yeah. about something. Um, but it's like, okay, what do I do with that? And if you know what's next sometimes too, and and you didn't have a destination. No, not at all. And as you know about me, Savannah, God don't really reveal stuff to me because I'm very, very impatient. (laughs) Very impatient. Cody has told me from the day I think that we started talking that if God wanted him to go somewhere, he better not tell him where Cody yeah. <laughs> will be ready that yeah. day, that second, that hour. Well, and I just feel like my heart and desire is to do what God wants yeah. me to do. And if he says, hey, son, you're going to be a missionary to Mexico. I'm like, OK, when am I going? Pack my bags, buy my <laughs> ticket, quit my job. You know, that's just the way that I am. He's ready. Yeah. always. And so, yes, the Lord doesn't tell me things until like when it's time, but also. He's like in this instance, he didn't do that. And he told me before, and I guess in a way was teaching me patience, but also like what to do with words that you can't do much about right now. Like when God says leave, sometimes that doesn't mean right now. Yeah. And when he says, why are you back and forth? It doesn't mean leave right this second. It just means quit being back and forth in your mind, in your heart. You need, That's true. you know yeah. what I'm saying? You need to prepare because how do you, That's a different perspective. how do you reach forward if you're always holding back? You know what I mean? So it's just one of those things that I don't think God was saying, go right this second. Mm-hmm. I do. I believe he was saying, Hey, I'm taking you somewhere. You need to start letting go. Well, and from what you've told me, that wasn't the first dream that you had at no, that specific had a, time. You had several. I had several dreams of God saying leave or, you know, it'd be a different instance of different kind. That dream and specifically had come right after a night I had said. I had a dream the night before something like that and can't remember that dream specifically. The reason I remember this one was because I remember praying the night following another dream, which was that, excuse me, that night I went to bed and I said, God, if that's truly you, I need you to give me another dream. And that was the dream I had. So then it was. Yeah. And then. Okay, Lord. Yeah. So, but then I did, but I didn't understand why he wanted me to leave and not necessarily that anyone was bad or doing anything wrong. Um, Just that he had something different for me, but also in a way there was something attacking me that I didn't, you know, really um, know, or I did know, but it was kind of not, I didn't know the severity of the right. attack, I guess. Well, I God could have been trying to protect you yes, or he, warn you. He completely was. He completely was. I remember having one dream that was, I mean, in a way, to me, very vulgar. I felt like I needed to repent after the dream. And I'm like, how do I control? I don't know how I control that. I don't know how I control a dream. But I remember, you know, I'll spare the details, but I remember being in a like in a hot tub type of pool type thing. And I was being attacked, not attacked in a bad, like bad way, quote unquote. I'm air quoting for all those who are listening, um, but I was being attacked or come against or seduced in a way by a woman that was in in there with me. And I didn't know her, didn't know anything about her. But in the dream, God was like, 
as long as you stay in the environment you're in, you're going to be attacked by this perversion and it's never going to leave. And eventually it will overcome you and will drown you. So I was like, okay, well, I don't want that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so kind of prayed specific prayers and asked God to give me direction. Cause, and maybe some, and I hope I never get to this place again, but I may, cause it may be where God wants me to be. And that'd be fine if that's what he wants. But it was a tough place to be when you knew you had to go somewhere and you knew the reason why you needed to leave because something was endangering mm-hmm. your soul and getting a little frustrated because God wasn't telling you where or when. Mm-hmm. That's hard. And that waiting, that's really tough. I really don't know that I have the right answers or the right advice for anyone that's in the waiting other than just wait. Stick it through. Yeah. And it's hard to keep trusting and trying to hear his voice. And ultimately, you just have to keep climbing. And at the end of the day, you know that you have to serve God no matter what trials come your way. And so sometimes make it till you make it isn't the best situation all the times. But you got to keep going. Yeah. And I don't know. Don't stop. I don't. I don't know that. When we say fake it till we make it, I don't even think we really mean it. You know yeah. what I mean? I think we just mean like have faith regardless. Yeah. Don't act like nothing's bothering you, but don't don't be phased by mm-hmm. every thought or every overwhelming emotion. Just be persistent. I think I understand. I understand what people mean by fake it till you make it, but I don't think that's what we really mean. You know, I think we mean have well, faith. Sometimes you it. you gotta. Pep, yeah, you got to talk yourself. You got to talk yourself through it. You got to <laughs> encourage yourself. Um, definitely. But I think it's got to just, it's got to be more than like a, I don't really feel like worshiping, but I'm going to worship anyway. It's not like a fake it till you make it. Well, it's like I have faith because yeah. I'm not punishing him. Well, it's not about us. Yeah. It's exactly. all about God. Yeah. And every, and our journey isn't about us. And he's leading us to places that will reach others for him. And so many times, like, I could easily say, oh, well, God moved me to Smithville so that my ministry could grow and that I could <laughs> do this and have more opportunities. Oh, I'm sure I could easily say that because in a lot of ways it's true in what you can see with your natural eyes. But really what God has done was not, was didn't do anything. And if you've known me in the last two or three years, you, you will see, have seen this is God has literally humbled me and taught me and molded me to see that I have more opportunity to win. Mm-hmm. It's not more opportunity to preach other places. It's more opportunity to win people. God has placed me in a city that needs truth. And that has a church that is the lighthouse. Not that it, I wasn't in a place like that before. But that I wasn't ready in a way to win all of them or reach all of them. You know, that I was being attacked or that I was too consumed by my own selfish ambition in ministry, which is an extremely dangerous place to be as a young minister or as a young adult, period. When we get our eyes off of what our goal is, which is to win the world and win the lost, because one day this thing is going to be over and we're, we're going to well, be in eternity. What do we have to account for? Yeah, what, what is all your, what is all your ministry trophies, quote unquote trophies, you preached out 500 times and good job. Yeah. You had a two week solid <laughs> everyday revival. Like, like good job. Yeah. I don't, and I'm not downplaying 
no, what people do, at but at the same time, those are like, all necessary. But that shouldn't be our focus. Yeah, that should be a result of winning people. You know, so but all that led me to here. You know, I'm, I know my story is a little, I'm more detailed and talking <laughs> about it a little bit more than <laughs> yours, but it, that's a lot of our personality type. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely Cody's the fluff. I'm the fluff. Wow. <laughs> Did you say all of that wasn't I, important? I am. That's not surely that. not what you're trying to say. No, I'm just more straightforward. Yeah. I'm a storyteller. Get it done kind of person. I like telling stories. And, I like listening to stories. Yeah, and being <laughs> exuberant in it. Um, but we're, I mean, Savannah met at a friend's wedding. And in fact, Pastor Cornelius's son uh, was getting married in Nebraska to which Savannah knew both um, his son and his now wife. Um, and that's where we met. I wasn't supposed, they moved the wedding, right? They moved mm-hmm. the wedding a different date. I don't remember how, how a month, was it a month or less? Um, it was right at a month. It could have been like three weeks. And I wasn't going to the original one just because I had work and, didn't want to take off work, um, me and my brother, and uh, own a business together. And so we, I just didn't want to take off. He was going because it's his family. He married Pastor Cornelius' daughter. So I just didn't want to do it. Well, then last minute, I was like, you know what? It worked out. Having a slow week, whatever, that kind of thing. I show up and, you know what? <laughs> in a funny way, he held up a sign. It was like, I'm here for the bridesmaids, but actually he literally held up a sign I, that said, I I'm did. here for the bridesmaids <laughs> I do, but in it the was, photo booth. It was supposed to be funny because uh-huh. um, I wasn't thinking about that. Or I it. was a bridesmaid. You was a bridesmaid. <laughs> but I had a list of who I wanted and that come from Pastor Cornelius because I told him, you know, I'm ready to move forward in my life. Uh, I want to find someone. And he told me to write a list of everything you want. And he said, be detailed and all of that good stuff. And I'll spare you all that conversation just because it'd be a long story too. <laughs> um, but Savannah fit it to a T and started off with it because the first time I met her, which, you know, she's beautiful. We're at a wedding. So love is in the air and mm. all of the goods, you know, Ooh, uh. Uh, e hard eyes and <laughs> cupids flying around everywhere, shooting arrows, you know, that kind of thing. But which Toby is was shooting coincidentally, <laughs> coincidentally enough, some more friends of ours who was also a bridesmaid and a groomsman got engaged, got engaged that night. So it was all over the X place. And Robin, you know, um, what a day, what a day. Yeah. So, um, but the first time I actually met Savannah more than just seeing her and her being beautiful and I'm just, you know, being a person I could see and not someone I can interact with, I had. Uh, we were cleaning up, I believe it was mm-hmm. after the wedding and everybody was in a sense leaving. We were cleaning up and she was just walking around putting stuff together. And I just remember thinking, wow, like she is so beautiful and she just has a servant. She just had the servant's heart. Now there was other people helping and all of that, but like there was just something about the way she was helping and then asked her something about a su- stupid little puzzle with candles. He had, he had the box of candles. That I was putting candles into. Well, they weren't all fitting good. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And so we were just trying to configure the candles so we could fit more in. And 
just goofing off about puzzles and candles and yeah and then weird mm-hmm. <laughs> and then who would have thought exactly so then just kind of went from there she friends on me for a while and uh, well that night he came up to me very directly oh yeah i did savannah it is very nice to meet you he shook my hand um but had his huge grin on his face with his dimple showing can still picture it in my head mm-hmm. obviously very handsome very charming if i oh, might say wow <laughs> there's her fluff <laughs> that's her version of fluff right there <laughs> but anyway uh real it was super fast forward and we're married eight months after eight we met months after we met which is crazy but Crazy now to think about it, but in the moment, it felt like it would never get there. No, it's really weird how that happened. Yeah. But, but now we're serving together in a wonderful church with a wonderful pastor and wonderful leadership, and so we're just excited about what God's going to do and what He's doing through us, and can't wait to talk to you guys more about all kinds of crazy stories <laughs> and crazy life. And mm-hmm. this will be personal, so hopefully, you guys like this or like what we're talking about and enjoy the content that we'll put out. Um, if you have any suggestions, you know, feel free to send us something. If you know us, you know, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook or do all that kind of stuff and send us messages of stuff you want us to talk about. Um, do all the things, you know, to communicate with <laughs> us. If you want, if you're interested subscribe in something, to my channel. yeah, subscribe to the podcast and, <laughs> You I'm know, just kidding. I've leave, always wanted to say that. Leave likes and reviews, you know, all the stuff. Um, but hopefully you guys enjoyed this. It is just basically an introduction to us. I will get into more content, but it was some serious moments for sure. Like you got anything else you want to say? I feel like that was a lot of information. Lots of information. For, hey, I just met you. <laughs> Here's my number. Okay. No, I'm sorry. That's not spiritual. I'm not supposed to say that. <clears throat> Ew. Well, well. Oh, okay. <laughs> and bye. <laughs> no. Um, nope. Thank you guys for listening. Savannah didn't think we could talk this long, but it's officially been 35 minutes. Wow. So I was ready to wrap it up she at said, 10. <laughs> she said, I didn't, I don't, wouldn't listen to us for this long. That's sad. That's so sad. Anyway. Anyway. To the next episode about all the things that need to be talked about. We'll try to talk about them. Let's talk about it. Let's talk.